podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Rohit and Morgan rock Old Trafford, Australia somehow keep winning and New Zealand makes South Africa forget how to play cricket. This is GC World Cup Extra. Welcome to GC World Cup Extra, the weekly World Cup podcast from your favourite independent cricket commentary providers, Gorilla Cricket. We're recording on the 20th of June, straight after Australia's 48-run victory against Bangladesh at Old Trafford. But who are we, I hear you ask? Well, discerning podcast listener, I'm your host, Knuckle M. Pandey, and I'm joined by the prelate of Claygate and the wizard of the world. I've got <laughs> Tony Bishop to my left. Hello and good evening. At Tony Bishop, to be here. At Tony Bishop 1. And to his left is Al Harch. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, friends. So we have just seen uh, Australia come through a tricky game against uh, Bangladesh, one of the uh, teams who've impressed most in this World Cup. But uh, a wonderful hundred from David Warner uh, uh, contributions from Usman Kawaja and Aaron Finch and a decent all-round bowling display meant they won by 48 runs. They've gone uh, top of the table and the top four is starting uh, to take shape. But we'll start off this week with a little bit of an overview of uh, the last week's action. Uh, So uh, last... uh, Friday, just immediately uh, before, uh, uh, just immediately after, rather, we recorded uh, the last week's episode. We saw uh, England take on the West Indies, uh, which was a uh, fairly comfortable win in the end for England, despite the absence with the bat of uh, Joe, uh, sorry, of uh, Jason Roy and of Owen Morgan. I've never seen an easier nine-wicket win. It, it was utter domination on both sides of the ball by England. Quite the most comprehensive win of the tournament so far for me uh, yeah Root uh, 100 off 94 was pretty impressive wasn't it yeah we'll be coming to uh, to his exploits uh, later in the tournament we then saw uh, Australia looking as though they were in a little bit of trouble against Sri Lanka uh, it's kind of been the theme of Australia's tournament that they looked like they were going to be in trouble and then suddenly all of a sudden were not uh, Sri Lanka fell away in the end rather uh, with some uh, injudicious strokes towards the uh, latter part of their innings a comfortable uh, victory in the end uh, then Afghanistan uh, really put themselves in a half deep position against South Africa but then losing 4 for 1 after a rain break to lose uh, to South Africa by 9 wickets who rather crawled to a win uh, there at Cardiff then the biggie uh, on uh, on Sunday India uh, versus Pakistan it ended in farcical circumstances but there was some damn fine cricket played mostly by India it has to be said I, I, think, I think the ending of it will take away from the performance of, of both sides um, just at the moment that you thought that India were getting back to parity um, India managed to do something to be able to take the take the game away from them well yeah but you also got to hold your hands up and say how well uh, India bowled I think and it contributed to Pakistan rather falling away yeah, we'll come on to one of the one of the key moments in that game, but it was a very good all-round bowling performance uh, without just pre- uh, sort of Bhuvneshwar Kumar for uh, uh, for India who had to go off partway through uh, his uh, spell. Uh, the fallout from that game, uh, or the fallout from the game before, is of course that Shikhar Dhawan uh, is now out of the tournament with his broken hand. Risha Pump has has come in to the eleven. Can we do a little poll around the around the room? Would you play Risha Pump in the mid, in the India's starting eleven as wicketkeeper? Well, you can take it in whichever way you like, um, but uh, would you play him? And if so, how would you use him? Um, yes, says Producer John. 
Are you having my number five? I might say not immediately. I didn't see too much wrong with what they did against uh, Pakistan. And the side looked pretty well balanced. I think when you look at the top order and I think when you look at the, the bowling attack uh, and you look at a winning team, you can work your squad. But I think India's depth, um, I don't think they need to rush into changes ju just because he's there. Al? I would play him. And I would play him lower middle order. I would keep Downey behind the stumps. I don't think India is quite ready for 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 Downey to to start um, riding the bench. Um, I think there's, as with all teams um, that are, are moving their way towards the top of the table, there are going to always be difficult decisions. But I I think that he provides uh, in that sort of four or five slot. I, I think he provides something um, which will be invaluable to India later on in the tournament. Who are you dropping? I, I think it might well be Shankar who turns VJ who turns around and, and that will be the way Shankar. I would go with yeah. that. Uh, KL Rahul uh, is going to open for the rest of the tournament now, yep. uh, barring another injury crisis. Uh, but I think VJ Shankar performed very creditably against Pakistan. He took that wicket, became uh, only the fourth man to uh, to take a wicket with his first ball in a yeah. World Cup, and, uh, and joining a club that bizarrely includes Mohammed Yusuf, who we discovered through some beavering on Sunday, has only bowled two balls in his one-day international career and has taken one wicket uh, uh, and has never bowled more than one ball in a game yeah it both the, with both the balls that he's bowled both games finished he um I, I think we've all agreed that we don't like the term death bowler but he certainly is the <laughs> finisher is in terms of uh, a bowling performance coming soon to a marvel comics film near you the absolutely finisher. uh but i think risha punt gives india something that they other than hardik Pandey, they don't have which is power and a way to capitalize on uh on strong starts by the top three india didn't pick richard Pant initially because they were looking for solidity in case of a collapse which i understand but even with shikhar dovan out of the side and i think it is a big loss because he's such a good player and because he's so good at tournaments and because he dovetails so well with Rohit Sharma. it's still a very so strong top three and it's going to succeed more often than not if you're a bowling side and you've sudden and you've got your second wicket and India are in a strong position you do not want to see Rishabh Pant coming in with 15 overs left it, it, some of the perceived weakness with regards to India's lower middle order can become a self-fulfilling prophecy so I, I think anything that kind of bolsters that and gives you know uh, Ravi Shastri the chance to be able to evaluate the pitch evaluate the conditions evaluate the opponent and turn around and to say, I can pick my best 11 based on circumstance rather than turn around and just send the same 11 people out there time after time. He uh, certainly didn't seem overly concerned, did he, about the loss of Bhuvi Kumar for a two, maybe three games. And yet, was it yet another hamstring? Uh, yeah, the, the, we haven't really heard... The cursed injury of this World Cup. I haven't really heard hamstring. any word on that. It seems to be just a little bit of a tweak. We haven't really heard any further news on that. It wouldn't be massively surprising if Mohamed Shami played at the weekend just to give Bhuvi a little more time, which will presumably mean that Jadeja would have to come into one of the wrist spinners because you can't really go in with an 8, 9, 10, 11 of, mm. uh, of Mohamed Shami just breathe boom, recall the Yadav and Yuzvenda Chahal. You know, that's two 10s and two 11s. It'll be interesting about who India play in the next week. I, though I know that we're going to come on to the, the following week and we can begin to look to see about whether that long tail would be an issue. Um, yeah, India's remaining games are against Afghanistan, then the West Indies, then England, then Bangladesh. I think you can try it in the next two games and see how you feel. That's rather what England felt when uh, they lost Jason Roy, wasn't it? They said, well, yeah. let's have a look at the next two games. Hmm, Afghanistan and Sri Lanka. Obviously, Sri Lanka is yet to happen, uh, and you never want to tempt fate. But I think 
if there was a right time for an injury to come and you know, give give a something like a hamstring, which normally takes time, a bit of time to settle down. Well. England have had it, and it sounds like India have probably got a similar position. It's slightly baffling to me that a hamstring tear could recover in a week or in a week and a half. Well, yeah. Regardless of how severe, <laughs> sort of minor it is there's no such thing as a minor hamstring tear you slightly wonder about england's uh, england's uh, powers of recovery owen morgan could barely walk and then he just he said a combination of drugs and manipulation and uh, he, he look at all those sixes we'll, here. we'll he, come we'll come on to what owen morgan uh did too and i very much use the word too advisedly afghanistan uh in a little bit but uh, moving on through the week uh, west indies bangladesh a fantastic game the other day and also possibly the most frustrating game of cricket I've watched in the World Cup so far. Oh, really? How so? Because I, I, I was expecting... I think I was expecting more from the West Indies pace attack. And, and I think the person who ends up being most culpable in this game is Jason Holder. Though I, I'm, I'm a very big believer in the fact that a, a captain becomes the centre of a culture. And so being able to turn around and to turn around and, and, and you know with those drinks breaks being able to grab his team by the scruff of the neck and to go we cannot keep doing the same thing that we've been doing over and over and over again there has to be changes there has to be a change of approach slower balls fuller length deliveries and I, I think they 332 is, a, is an imposing total that we've seen all the way through this well, tournament it should be it should be Bangladesh but, walked it with but, eight overs left and, that, and that's the thing is the fact that I, I think that there was I think that the England game begin, began to expose the mental frailties inside the West in the West Indies team and I think the I think the Bangladesh is um, response to the 332 that was set I think turned around and just took those small cracks and opened them as wide as possible and well, I have I have some real doubts about the West Indies and the well, rest of this was, competition I had, a, I had a slight feeling that, that what they did against England they, they almost replicated against um, Bangladesh they, yeah. you know just bang it in short w- which was in turn followers. a replication of what worked against Pakistan yeah and it, it, I wonder if it's as much that they don't have a viable other option because they don't have a spinner in the squad that they can trust they played Andre Russell on one leg because they don't trust Ashley Nurse or they don't trust Fabian Allen you know Chris Gale's the best spinner they've got in the squad uh, and it was always a worry going into the tournament that they didn't have that option you know once you know hit hard and bowl fast is a really thrilling thing to watch when it works but you need a little bit more than that. But we've seen amongst the uh, you know the wickets so far, uh, a few have taken turn. The best balance attacks, rather than just the fiercest, are those that have that have had you, the greatest. You are never going to be able to win this the World Cup or do consistently well in it without a good spinner. There's a saying that I've learned in golf, which is if you do the same thing over and over again, you'll get the same result over and over again. And, I didn't and know Einstein played that was golf. A, that was an adaptation of Einstein. Wasn't yeah. It? I know. yeah. <laughs> Just goes to show how clever my my, my golf instructors been. <laughs> wow. Not clever enough to keep on taking, uh, allowing me to take lessons, but it, it's that sense that even with that pace attack, I was expecting, I was expecting situational awareness. I was expecting people to be aware of the fact that Plan A isn't working. I need to be able to hold one back and bowl a slower ball. I I need to not just be able to you know put one in and bang it in halfway. I need to be able to put Yorker length deliveries in. But it was, it was absolutely rinse and repeat over and over again for the best part of four, well, four forty-one overs, and in the end, that three thirty-two ended up being fifty runs short. And also, I, I have to say, Shy Hope, I thought, started to play for individual accolades. I thought he, I knew he had to stay in, 
and I, and, I, and I know that he allowed people to try and get ahead of, and you know hit out and things like that but I think it became a part of his, his game was to turn around and to go I can get a century here well, yeah, I think it's right. I've actually written here in my notes Shy Hope 96 worth a mention but too slow yeah. off 131 yeah, balls Shy Hope has had issues over his strike rate for most of his ODI career he's picked it up in the last few years and he's a fabulous player to watch he really is oh, but he, I think he's been the best wicketkeeper in the tournament but he's um, but, but that is that is his game and he it's kind of him at his ceiling is going at about a run a ball it didn't occur to me it's interesting hearing you say that it didn't occur to me to view that game as anything other than a wonderful performance by Bangladesh oh, oh I do, I, and I don't want to I don't want to start I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not I mean, my, the greatest credit that I can give to Bangladesh is the fact that I was not shocked for a moment about the fact that that result happened the way that it did. Yeah. I, 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 I did not think that Bangladesh beating the West Indies was a shock. I, I just think that they could have been made to work for it a little bit harder than they were than they in the end were made to by the West Indies yeah, attack. They, they did it at the stroll with Shakib and uh, Lytton Das who came into the team and uh, was brutal towards the end and, of that innings. What an introduction he's been, Lytton Das. Yeah, we saw him in the Asia Cup final which we covered here on Gorilla Cricket score a fantastic 100 uh, against India in a really good game uh, as it turns out but uh, uh, yeah, a fantastic addition to Bangladesh's middle he's, order. He's, he's a keystone for the next generation of Bangladesh. He may well be, yes. He's not part of the veteran corps that's been around for so many World Cups. Uh, moving on to uh, a game that broke so many records uh, the other day, a game I was lucky enough to be at, uh, England versus Afghanistan at Old Trafford. Uh, talking about what you say about not having a second plan, watching Rashid Khan trying to bowl quicker and quicker and quicker on a, on a pitch that wasn't quite there for it, a pitch that was turning, that was a little bit of turn, where G bowled really well, I thought. Uh, and the figures he got away with in the end uh, were wonderful in the, in the context of the game, but um, Rashid Khan made it perhaps a little bit too easy, but Owen Morgan, my God. We'll come on to Owen Morgan, well, my God, but my well, God. Well, Knackle, you, you were there. Rather than us talk about how we saw the game, you, you were there, you experienced it firsthand. What was, what was the game like as a, as a spectacle to see? You were sort of swept up in the, whole, in the whole thing of it because Morgan didn't look that great and then he got dropped by uh, the bad drop by Dalit Zadran where he didn't get a hand to it. And then suddenly he just sort of... So he, was, he was batting quite well, but then something just clicked, and you thought Morgan is just going dom- to dominate this game. He has seized this opportunity. He's a cold-eyed killer, Owen Morgan. Yeah. He is utterly ruthless, no. and he took every single opportunity that he was given to hit down the ground, to hit to the leg side, regardless of which way he was hitting. Those are big boundaries at Old Trafford. It's a big playing area. And he made the ground look like a postage stamp at times. It was really interesting being in the crowd because we could see the records coming. People are on their phones. You know, people are working out how to use StatsGuru on their phones. Oh, he's hit this many sixes. He's hit this many sixes. England have hit this many sixes. Uh, what's the, oh, 153 is the highest score since broken. But uh, everyone saw that coming. We got there before the stadium announcers did. And there was just a sense of... It took people a little while to recover from it. Honestly, the first few overs of the Afghanistan innings, despite the early wicket for Joffrey Archer, everyone was just sort of a little bit shocked by what they'd just seen, but it was just wonderful to revel in in the genius of Owen Morgan and the man who's remade England. But I think, yeah, I think I think your last point I think leads me on to a thought about Morgan. What he has demonstrated, or well, since he took over just before the last World Cup, is extraordinary qualities of leadership, and that's not something I'd ever really seen watching him play at, at Middlesex but uh, as a spokesman for the team as an organiser of the team as a setter of standards if leadership is about setting a clear vision 
and then in some way stepping back and letting people execute against that vision. He has really done all of those things. It's kind of a team created in his likeness in the way that he thinks. The whole approach of get the runs on the board. If someone fails, keep going hard because someone else will come in and score. And really, throughout this World Cup, different players have taken their turns. I mean, let's, you know, um, Bairstow made 90 and Route 88 in that game. Ali chipped in with a credible 30. Um, it was just his turn that day. And he even said in the interview after the game that I heard, he said, um, you know, well, he even credited Joss Butler. He says, well, I was quite surprised, but if you really want to know about how you pace uh, an aggressive innings, talk to, almost like talk to Joss Butler, not me. So he knows when to put himself forward. He knows when to be authoritarian, as we saw with the whole stance that they took on, on, on Alex Hales. Uh, he knows how to put an arm around his team and encourage them and support them. I, I just think... This has been almost a culmination. It was of very his interesting qualities. watching him captaining Arthur Rashid. Obviously, with the total England got, they were never likely to be challenged. But you know, um, uh, Mohammed Nabi in particular and Nagulbadin took on uh, Arthur Rashid a little bit, um, and that's going to happen as a wrist spinner. And you know, Arthur Rashid is a very, very good wrist spinner. He's one of the best in the world, and he's used to uh, he's used to being hit, and it happens. But he's had a tricky World Cup so far. He's not taking the wickets that he wanted to. And you know, Owen Morgan was very sort of supportive about him, and he could sort of see him saying, "Do what you do. Do what you've been doing. Yeah. That's made you the." Uh, our best bowler for the last four years and he did it and he got his three wickets and he's got that confidence up uh, and and yeah I think the way that he's uh, the way he's transformed the, the realms of the possible for England in one day cricket uh, over the last four years and the way that he's England were an absolute joke four years ago I, I think I think they the were. way that Morgan has captained Rashid is entirely the difference with why he plays white ball cricket and not red ball cricket. We've talked a lot on this show about how Joe Root doesn't seem to know how to use Al Rashid. And I don't think he knows how to how to connect with him in order to be able to communicate with him. I think that that there's an awful lot to be said about the fact that this has been a World Cup about culture in teams about the idea of permissible and impermissible behaviour repeated over and over and over again. And I think this is the first England team that I can remember seeing since maybe the days of the 1987 World Cup where there wasn't a sense of absolute panic if Plan A didn't go to plan. Or even that there really wasn't a Plan A and you just sort of uh, scrambled things together at the last minute. You know, uh, there was a lot a lot talked about, you know, with the, with the injury to injury to Roy earlier and then the Hales thing and then a few other sort of minor injuries that was this going to be another World Cup bring them change their plan at the last possible minute but no as you're right you're, you rightly say Tony the the template is set the standards are set and it's interesting you talk about standards England were, f- were throwing themselves around in the field and flinging the ball back in from the boundary right until the last ball well, look against, at the, well, look against at, Afghanistan look at the last ball the la- they Afghanistan require 150 runs off the last <laughs> ball and Jofra Archer is bowling it at a time when he probably doesn't need to, but he's going to bowl the final over, whether it's a 150 required mm. or, or or one required. And Joffrey Archer bangs that ball in, and it's a 90-mile-an-hour bouncer, and it clocks the guy on the head. It's, it's the second Afghanistan batsman that's hit on the head in that innings, and it was a clear message sent, not to Afghanistan, but to the rest of the competition. Like you said, ruthless, cold-hearted, no more good morning the opposition they've spent four years trying to prepare themselves well, I mean, to win. I mean, they'll say so good they'll morning win. and they'll say well played when someone plays well, but as far as the cricket's going to go, like, we're going to try and win this game and if you get in our way, 
you get in our way. Uh, talking about the first one, there is no way on God's earth that Hashmatullah Shahidi should have continued. His helmet was broken in half. I, I think that, I think, I mean, there's a lot said about concussion protocols in, in lots of sports. Um, I, I was very pleased to see Hashim Amla go off in the opening game of the tournament. I was disgusted to see him come back on. Yeah, and that's just exactly it. In all sports, it doesn't matter whether it's a full, you know, a, a, a physical, violent sport like American football, whether it's a, a, an in essence a non-contact sport like cricket. That concussion protocol cannot be in the hands of the player. No, and it, I get the feeling in both those I, cases. I would argue were. it shouldn't even be in the hand. Of, there should be an independent doctor yep. who isn't linked to the team. There's just too much incentive to keep players out there. Yep. You know, Hashmatullah came out. You know, I wanted to stay out with my partner. I wanted to stay out with my mum. I'm sorry. I applaud that to an extent, but it's not your call. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be your call, at least. Exactly. I, Tony, do you have a view on, on, on this? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the idea of a, an impartial ruling that says when you uh, and the team doctors uh, are supposed to have the sway, um, but head injuries are head injuries. A cricket, goodness knows, has had its recent tragedy, and um, it's not something you take risks with. I was surprised... Um, to see Amla come back out because I was at the game at the Oval and uh, it, it was a bit of a surprise to me that he, he, he did come back and out. And he clearly wasn't right because he missed the next game. Yeah. And look how he's batted since. Yeah, I mean, he batted all right the other day against New Zealand. Oh, but I, I don't know. I th he's taken all... The, it's interesting, I was reading some Crickviz stats. He's basically... He's taken all of the risk out of his game. I think he is trying to recover some form, and I, I'm a huge Hashim Amla advocate, and I still think he'll score a beautiful 100 at this point of the tournament. It may be too late, but... Yeah, I don't think Hashmatullah should have been out there. And uh, Ikram Ali Kiel, who was the, 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 the player hit, the Afghanistan wicketkeeper, didn't seem in anywhere near as bad a shape. But he, he seemed all right, uh, perfectly. But, you know, when a helmet has been broken in half, uh, you know, the head inside it cannot be unaffected. Absolutely. Uh, but we'll, we'll move on from that. We'll, we'll, what we will do is uh, we put together a little bit of a supercut of, uh, of um, the England captain and his utter brutality that day. Two hits away. Rashid bustles in and this is short That's and on leg stump and that is one of those two hits as Morgan deposits this ball again and Rashid I think is trying to do too much with the ball and all Morgan is doing is planting into all parts of Old Trafford six more runs and Morgan has hit that ball towards Cow Corner and it is six runs Morgan grand style 101 of 57 balls bad back what bad back Morgan has none of it and sweeps sweeps the ball away and six more runs and Rashid has no answers whatsoever. Six more for Owen Morgan. Uh, what you won't be able to see is that Al has never heard himself commentate before and is <laughs> is going redder than his shirt. Who 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 was that at rank amateur who was able to put that commentate? Uh, I think you captured the moment wonderfully and you indeed did. bad back what uh, bad back. Owen Morgan is absolutely fine, uh, folks. Oh, the game the next day uh, was a, a wonderful seesaw game again between South Africa and New Zealand, just like the 2015 World Cup semi-final. Uh, but the way it ended actually reminded me of another game in that tournament where New Zealand uh, looked as though they were going to absolutely batter Australia, having bowled them out. Uh, but then uh, were reduced to very quickly by a wonderful spell of bowling from Mitchell Stark and Kane Williamson again taking the responsibility on his shoulders, hitting a last ball six, hitting a six to win the game rather. Yeah. And absolutely, in the same way that Morgan is absolutely the leader of his team, Kane Williamson is now absolutely the leader of this team. He stepped out of the shadows of McCollum. It might have taken a little bit of a while to do it. I think he's a generational talent. Uh, I think I think he is, without a doubt, a, a, a much better cricketer than, than McCollum ended up making the most out of his talent. 
I thought that was an interesting game because it's the first game at Edgebaston uh, in the tournament. Um, and I think what we've seen there is that you can't expect... I think, I think it's been great to see from the different grounds that we've seen all around the country is the fact that there was a feeling at, at halfway that, that South Africa had been restricted and it was way too few runs. 241 for is a weird score in a 50-over game. Exactly. We've become conditioned that 300 is par now. And, and with the response from New Zealand, what we found was not only was it better than par, but actually it was nearly a winning total. But South Africa were in a good position. Should they have gone harder earlier and made it more of a 270? There's a little bit of, of um, revisionist history possibly that comes into play with that. Or are they just so unconfident that they didn't think that they, that they thought the risk of... They didn't field well. They, they didn't. They uh, let themselves down in the field on yeah, more than one. David occasion. Miller had a shocking he game. Did. Uh, dropped catches. That horrible missed run out of Kane Williamson, uh, and they failed to review. Uh, we'll come on to failed reviews yeah. a little bit later when we talk about our our moments of the week. But um, you've got to take every chance. And South Africa are just in a headspace where they're letting these chances slip, and they're more worried, I think, about the consequences of losing or the consequences of looking stupid. I, I think also to bear in mind with all of this. It, like we said, that, that there's a team that's devoid of confidence. But there is also, in New Zealand, I think, quite possibly the best balanced team throughout the entirety of the competition. Well, William, Williamson is certainly well supported by Guptill and Taylor. When you look at that attack and that they can call on, the fact that you've got uh, Ferguson and Nisham and Henry and, and Henry, who are... You know, take any, and and, you, and, and Bolt, Gro- Bolt and No Saudi and well, and De Grand double beat the other day. Jimmy Neesham didn't even bowl yeah. uh, the other yeah. day, uh, having taken a five. De Grand double beautifully. Yeah, they haven't needed Tim Southey yet. Be interesting to see if he comes back in. Henry Nichols has been their their solid man at number six. Yeah. Hasn't played yet in the tournament. Ross Taylor's been in uh, the kind of form you'd you chop off an arm. To correct now the over the last couple, couple of, of years, yeah. uh, he's had an astonishing record. He's been second only to Virat Kohli. He's had. He, He's been a bit of a weird situation, actually, with Ross, with Ross Taylor in, in the games in this tournament. Like, he hasn't needed to score quickly yeah. at any point in the tournament. It, it's been very interesting how, in, in the build-up to games, it's always been described as the big three plus New Zealand. I think you can call it a big four. New Zealand, well, I, New Zealand I think you can call th- it a big four. New Zealand have been the third most impressive team in the tournament. They've been way more impressive than Australia from my, where I'm sitting. But, it, but if, if, if England are somewhat moulded in the Morgan image in terms of a clear vision and approach... I think you could definitely say the same for Absolutely. New Zealand. 100%. I mean, um, one of the things, I mean, quite the far, apart from the fact that he's 225, I think he's scored in this series so far, um, his average is 225, yeah. <laughs> which tells you everything about his, 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 his dependability. But he has a, a quiet composure about him. He has a presence of mind, and I, I think we might be coming on to talk about it, but the, the way he took one of the, 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 the ball of the, the, the penultimate over the last ball and just... Yes. Eased it round the corner for four. Took a lot of the pressure off that last that's, over. He's a thinker. That's Kane Williamson in microcosm. Absolutely. His, his calmness, his quiet authority, the way he just... He doesn't need to be particularly demonstrative. That's not in his nature. He doesn't try and be something he's not. But he sums up the situation perfectly. South Africa set a terrible field to him, by the way. It, it's ridiculous in that situation to not have a third man, knowing the way Williamson plays. He plays that run down to third man better than anyone in world cricket. And Ngidi bought a pretty decent slower ball, but Williamson... Could not have timed that ball any better. It, it's an interesting concept that in a 50-over game that you have time. 
Yes. And you have, and, and it's it's interesting to hear lots of different people in different sports, like a hundred meter sprinters in athletics, talk about the time that they've got within a hundred meter race, and and it might not have been the most statistically brilliant innings that Kane Williamson has ever had but it was brilliantly paced there was always the thought that we need to be at certain points at certain points in time achievable targets achievable targets and and he was right where he needed to be at the time that his team needed him to be well I think the interesting thing was that wicket was never going to be a 350 wicket um, it was a 240 250 wicket and I think um, uh, Faf Duplessis said afterwards they felt really strongly they'd left about 25 out yeah. there uh, and so it you know so, so it proved. well it's in- Birmingham on average gets sort of two two and a bit inches of rain a month in June they'd had twice that in a week yeah it did start raining on Monday and ended on Friday yeah uh, of course the pitch was going to be sluggish yeah. I actually don't think Edgbaston will be like that for the tournament Edgbaston is actually in general a pretty fast scoring ground it will be interesting as they move from one pitch to another um, but um, I think that we need to bear that in mind as we as we think about games that are going to be played at Edgebuston in the future, including up to the semi-final. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. I think it might make one of them um, a blast in terms of at Old Trafford, and I think there's going to be a much more tightly fought game at, at Edgebuston. And who better than New Zealand? You've already had two close wins yeah. to be able to well, take on. Well, New Zealand do play in the next game at uh, Edgebuston. They play Pakistan uh, there next uh, Wednesday. Then England-India is uh, at uh, Edgebuston and then Bangladesh-India. Uh, and uh, then, as you say, the second semi-final. I'd imagine the pitch will get quicker as it dries out. It is usually a very good batting pitch. It doesn't take spin particularly Edgebuston, yeah. despite the excellence of Jeetham Patel over many years. Uh, but it's a pretty good batting wicket, and certainly England, when they play there, have used their biggest, most vocal crowds. It's unlikely, having said that, that they will be the dominant crowd noise against India. It might feel like an away game. Certainly 50-50. And the game we've just watched today was Australia versus Bangladesh, and we talked a little bit about that at the top of the game. Um, A little bit like against England, Bangladesh creditable, but we're just always up against it with the amount of runs that Australia scored. Warner roaring back into form. They've, they've scored 330 in two second innings efforts this mm. week. Um, I think that's inf- I think that's fantastic. I think they are certainly in the, if it is that they don't make the top four, I think they're certainly in the best of the rest category. You heard it first here. Bangladesh are the Wolverhampton Wanderers of the 2019 <laughs> World Cup. Oh, they're going to lose to Watford in the semi-final. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, I'll be happy with that. Uh, and who, who expected that performance from Wolves? Um, it, it's been... I, I, I think it was always a game where it was about who won the toss and batted first. And it just so happened that it was Australia. There was a, there was a palpable groan in the green room when we heard the toss and, and found that, that, yeah. that Finch had actually won one. I think a lot of teams, and this has been true over the last uh, week or so, uh, that a lot of teams have been suckered into bowling first by overhead conditions, which haven't lasted. Uh, I think most of these pitches are good batting tracks. Uh, just because there's a little bit of movement around doesn't change that fact. Yeah. I, th- I think there's been good, honest, you know, there have been good contest pitches. That, that nothing's been as flat as a pancake, even though I know that, that today there was just over 720 runs scored. Yeah, even Old Trafford, it was a used pitch. It was turning a little bit. There was good bounce in it for the bowlers. Yeah. Uh, there was the ability to, I think, I think, um, the England spinners Moin and other Rashid learnt I think from Afghanistan spinners that Mujib was the most impressive of them bowling slower 
giving uh, rather than trying to rip it off the pitch, as you say, doing too much with the ball, as you said in your piece of commentary, uh, using that the flight a little bit more. We'll come on to uh, to flight and the true um, what's the apotheosis of wrist spin yeah. uh, when we come on to uh, uh, players of the week. But uh, uh, we'll move on to performances of the week. What we what we ask uh, our guests to do is pick up a performance of the week, a player of the week, and a moment of uh, the week. And uh, the uh, performance of the week. Uh, that uh, Tony Bishop uh, has uh, picked belongs uh, to uh, the gigantic Australian left arm quick. Bowl him! Uh. Mitchell Stark bowling full at pace, a tiny bit of movement. Casal Pereira swung down the ground and is beaten by it. Mitchell Stark rattles the stumps. Casal Pereira's uh, really entertaining innings is over. 52 off 36. Sri Lanka, 115 for one. Here is Stark in. Sir Wardner trying to flick Ooh. that away. He's bowled! Him. That's gone off his pad and it's bowling and Stark has another wicket and I'm afraid to say that Sri Lanka are falling apart. They are now 209 for five. He's into the left-handed Pereira. Bowls full. He's driven in the air. He's going to be caught. He's going to be caught at mid-on. And that is the end of Sri Lanka. 217 for six. Stark has a second wicket in the over. And this is just suicide. What on earth is going on out there? They put themselves in such a good position, but they just haven't had the gumption uh, to see it through. Uh, 217 for six. Stark mm. starts a new over. Bowls to Mendes, who drives at this and gets an outside edge. And he has gone. And now Stark has a 13th wicket in the tournament. He has four for 46. He's on course for another five. For, and Mendes has gone for 30. Caught behind. And Sri Lanka, well, this is just incredibly disappointing. I imagine it's gone deathly quiet um, amongst the Sri Lankans at the Oval. And to be honest, I'm feeling like I need to just sort of <laughs> reflect on this. Uh, we managed to tempt Nigel Henderson out of his uh, out of his uh, pit of pity uh, with uh, with various baked goods. But uh, yeah, Mitchell start the leading wicket taker in the tournament with 15 wickets at 20.26. Uh, wonderful performance in 2015 uh, as well. Uh, Mitchell start loves a World Cup. Uh, yes, he does. Uh, but the reason I, I picked it for my performance of the week, because he's taken better figures in this, because he's taken five for 46, I think, in one game, didn't he? Um, the reason I selected it for my performance of the week was Sri Lanka were on a roll. And they genuinely, they, they, it, was, it was the Oval, as I recall. They were tremendously well supported. Everybody was behind them and feeling they really could be doing this. And if you wanted to get one bowler in who you felt was really the right man to for the put job a pin at that the time, to, 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 to put the pin into the balloon at the right moment, and he broke the opening partnership. Uh, and it was, it was really, the, my, my selection of him was, a, was based on not the great figures, although, I mean, obviously four wickets is, 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 is a terrific return in an, in an ODI, but it was about the timing of the wickets and its strategic importance in the game at that point. And he does what he does well. He breaks partnerships, and he 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 finishes, and he and he hurried Sri Lanka along towards, sadly for them, the wrong finish. Yeah, um, one of our one of our colleagues, Marshall St. Patrick Hewitt, described him as the best clean-up bowler in the world. And it's very true when you're coming in cold against Mitchell Stark. It's so difficult with the with the pace that he is able to generate, the movement he's able to generate, that angle. He's very tall. The 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 Yorkers are coming in from a from like a, like thunderbolts from Olympus. I, I think, though, he's a bowler who knows how he bolts. There is there is a temptation of being that height, of being able to go, a la some of the the classic 
fast bowlers that we've seen is, is that I'm going to bang the ball in and, and Mitchell Stark isn't that bowler he is a bowler who should pitch the ball up needs to pitch the ball up if there's a fraction of movement I know that in our jingle about him we, we, we joke about the fact that there's been no swing since Very Cape Town yeah. but he doesn't need to hoop the ball around what he needs to do is to pitch the ball up and he's, he's, he's a constant challenge because he, he really gives you nothing to get away there's, there's nothing to free your arms with everything is, is flicks and blocks and it's just that sense that he is always on you yeah and he, he throws in that bouncer every now and again he's a, he's a classic sort of two length bowler which is what makes him such a good uh, death bowler I was critical of him against India for actually not going away from that and bowling you know like an ordinary seamer kind of bowling length bowling top of off and it was a very helpful pitch a very friendly pitch and I don't think it worked particularly uh, he's been very well marshaled by the man that you Al have picked out as uh, your uh, player of the week indeed your performer of the week the Australian captain in fact, Aaron, Aaron Finch. Apparently, uh, that man gets the Al Hotchkiss Twofer Performance and Player of the Week. Yeah, and the reason that I did this is because, first of all, there was a beautiful knock. Um, the joint, uh, well, what is now the joint second highest score of the competition, um, the 100, um, 153 that he hit against Sri Lanka. Um, and, and then he backed that up with another 53 runs um, that he, he hit. Um, today against Bangladesh um, but it's for me it's it goes back to what we were talking about earlier on about captaincy I believe that Aaron Finch so far in this tournament has been the best on-field captain that we've seen I he, the he the games against Sri Lanka and Bangladesh were not in in the field anyway were not uh, the, it was not a big explosive collapses it was a slow calculated strangulation of runs and it was about being able to turn around to, to both teams and to say well if you can keep up with us after 10 overs that's fine but it's going to be about the next 10, 20, 30 overs after that and and his his marshalling of his bowlers the fact that I think he's learnt how to use Stark in short bursts, he's not going to use him in sort of a, 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 a 10 overs over two spells, he's only going to bring him in for three or four the way that he's um, brought Maxwell in at various times in the attack and been able to set a field that his bowlers have bowled to, which has just not allowed teams to be able to get away. And he's marshaled some quite limited bowling resources because obviously he's he's part of the, the selection process for each eleven. But you know they've gone in with four and a half bowlers and kind of got away with it. I mean they didn't uh, they didn't particularly uh, uh, against India, but I think against uh, against Sri Lanka they got away with Maxwell bowl pretty well. And I think. I think the way he used Marcus Stoinis today was very interesting. He's, Stoinis is a quite unlikely candidate, candidate as a death bowler, but Stoinis has the confidence of his captain yeah. uh, to bowl those slow balls, to have those fields uh, set for him, as you say. I think the way he's used Pat Cummins has been very good. Um, the, just, uh, I mean, it must be great having a bowler like Pat Cummins who can perform any role you've asked oh, of him. Oh, absolutely. And, and there are, there are Berendorf can feel unlucky to have come in and, and gone back out again. I think he's given a lot of confidence to Coulton Isle and Zampa, who haven't performed particularly well until today. Two wickets, wasn't it two today? For yeah, Coulton he did two and two. Two and two, of course, yeah. But it, it's that sense that the bowlers have the confidence of the captain and the captain has the confidence of the bowlers. And it's, it is what we might describe as that typical Australian attitude, which is that so long as they are in the contest, they will always back themselves to be the team that will follow their own plan to victory. And he's very much his own man. You know, he's not a naturally tub-thumping guy. 
He's no. not a snarler by any means. He's not a, you know, the hard bit in Aussie. He's a much more reflective, uh, thoughtful, almost. I don't want to say casual, but he seems a lot more calm than uh, than those guys. And I'm sure that comes from knowing uh, his own game. Uh, and yeah, I, I would agree. I have been very impressed with him uh, throughout the tournament. It, it's been about who he is as a person. Um, sure. there, there was there was a lot of things that were that were mentioned that were sort of seen but yet unseen at the end of the Bangladesh game. Uh, the first person to shake Raheem's hand, Aaron Finch. He laughing and joking with um, both Warner and Raheem on the way out. He's he's managed to do an almost impossible thing, which he's managed to be able to change the Australian culture. That there's no longer this alpha dog sort of image. It's that sense that actually we can turn up, just play our cricket. We don't it, we don't have to be yahoos about this, and we can just turn around. And we can win, and we can win through talent, and we can win through following our own plan. I think that's very interesting what you say. It's uh, I think it was Gideon Haig who made the point that in his book about the uh, the Cape Town fiasco and everything that led up to it is that Australia for a long time thought they won because they sledged. No, 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 no. They sledged because they won. Yeah. And I think Aaron Finch has grasped that truth better than most. A little bit like Tim Payne, um, uh, actually. Um, we'll, we'll move on from uh, from the Australian captain. Move on to uh, players of the week. And uh, Tony, we'll come uh, we'll come to you first, and okay. uh, we'll uh, we'll come to uh, the Indian uh, opener, who just keeps on uh, racking up a wonderful performance after wonderful performance in this World Cup. Yep. Uh, well, I considered a number of things with this. I mean, one, just look at his record so far in this World Cup. That was actually these 140 against Pakistan, which was my, uh, why, I, why I kind of uh, went for him. Um, but that was his second uh, century. His other innings out of three years was a 50, 57, I think. A failure. Against Australia. He'd made, uh, what did he made before? 122 off 144 against South Not Africa. out. Not out again, yeah. Um, but I think I, what I was really thinking about when I, when, when I, when I gave him my, um, my player of the week was, again, the magnitude of the occasion. This was the game which you were, uh, at Old Trafford where things, I think, really took off. It was the big game. We knew there was a billion people around the world. What was it? There was there's the 10 um, private jets, at least, arriving. There was the selling out of the Lowry Hotel. There was a billion people watching it on telly. There was 600,000 applications for 24,000 seats. And he went in, he stood up, and he delivered. And I think when you, when you, you, when you factor in all of that... Without his usual opening partner. Without his... A very good point. Without his, his usual opening partner alongside him, um, he just went out and does what he does. But if you actually think about the size of the audience, the, 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 the as I say, the magnitude of the occasion, to stand up and do that under those circumstances in such exemplary fashion... That's what got him. And in a very different style to usually, we're used to those Rohit Sharma innings where he makes these step changes in pace throughout the innings. Rohit Sharma, again, as soon as he hit that first short six, by the way, don't bowl short at Rohit Sharma when he's early in his innings. What are you doing? Everyone, all three teams that India played have done it. All three occasions, he's he's hooked a six and immediately just just gone into a gear where you can't bowl at him. Uh, And he he just kept on he just started running and kept on sprinting and it meant that India didn't miss Shikhar Dhawan which is crazy but when you look at their record of the last few years K.R. Rahul was just able to bat and bat and bat and get himself into the game uh, didn't bat particularly quickly but uh, it didn't really matter 
in the end, and it set the foundation for Virat Kohli to play the way he played uh, yeah. later in the innings, and for uh, for Hardik Pandya and uh, to just just do what he does, which is try and swing hard from ball one, and it kind of worked a little bit, but it just meant that Pakistan were never in the game. My uh, one other honourable mention from that game would be for uh, Ranveer Singh, uh, <laughs> who did his best to steal the show in a pair of Elton John's old glasses, which I thought was it's rather quite astonishing. There's a, there's a coda to that: is that they had uh, they had those little sort of clip-on sunglasses shields on them. Uh, quite <laughs> astonishing look from uh, from the Indian uh, from the Indian uh, Bollywood actor. Uh, uh, my man uh, of the week, or my uh, player. Uh, of uh, the week. Uh, Honourable mention to Joseph Edward Root who's twice played two sort of incredible ninja innings where he's gone over a run a ball without almost being noticed and he just doesn't break a sweat. I mean the man is a machine now in one day international cricket. Quite astonishing. Uh, But uh, my uh, player of the week is the number one all-rounder in the world. The man who scored 425 uh, runs at 106.25 in the tournament so far. Four hundred twenty-five runs, two hundred two fifties, and a runnable forty-one is his tournament uh, thus far. And scoring at uh, over a, a run a ball, averaging over a hundred. I think we all had Tamim initially as as the yeah. the, the Bangladesh <laughs> batsman to, to to watch, and and to consider what he's doing not just with the bat but with the ball as well. Yeah, he hasn't taken that many wickets, but he's used he's been used very cannily by Mushrafe. I think he's done his job very well. He's polled at all stages of the innings. He's bowled. Uh, at the at the top of the innings bowling kind of seven overs straight through being very economical he's been used very well in the middle overs I think it was a bit surprising he only got six overs against Australia uh, today wasn't today one of his lowest scores as well yeah, it was his lowest, it was his lowest score it's the only score time he's not made 50 in the tournament and it was 41 or 41 balls 41 I, or 41 yeah I think with the with the run chase against the, the West Indies I think you can say the same thing about him that you say about Sharma which is the idea of you define the moment or the moment defines you and and in that in that innings, as you said, with all as you said, Tony, with all of those, just just with the atmosphere and the noise in the crowd, to play as if it was a county game with three men and a dog watching, and for for Shakib to turn around at, at, to come in at the time that he came in, and it was like, we are going to win this, and we are and we are going to win this not by going crazy, but we're going to be consistent, and we are going to keep the pressure on, and they will unravel. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and they they lost Mushfakur. They lost uh, the ma- a guy who's been such an important part uh, of of the Bangladesh team. That and the, Shaki wasn't faced at all by the loss of his his more experienced man. He was able to marshal Lytton through that innings, yeah. and he had a so he had faith in Lytton. He knows what Lytton can do. He was there in that Asia Cup final. He knows exactly what Lytton does. And you could see do. Lytton come into himself as 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 the innings progressed. He became more expansive. And it became the idea that he, he became the bedrock of that partnership. He was the senior partner in, in yeah. all ways. Well, Lytton does, of course. I mean, he normally opens, doesn't he? And he's been sort of pushed down the order yes. a bit and uh, came in and uh, did he make, was it 1996? Am I right? Uh, 94 of 66. 94 of 66. Phenomenal, phenomenal. If that was a support act, it was a pretty impressive one. Uh, quite magnificent. Um, yeah, uh, Shakib Al Hassan has, uh, has been a massive part of why this Bangladesh team have been. Uh, quite as impressive as they have been. Um, he's the number one all-rounder in the world, Shakib Al Hassan, uh, quite rightly, uh, and he's got probably got quite a bit more cricket left in him, uh, Shakib Al Hassan, despite the fact he's been 
uh, playing for a very long time. He's still only 32. I think it becomes about how much cricket he wants to play. He's had his injury records, of course he has, but, you know, 32, he could easily be at the next World Cup. Oh, There's right. absolutely no no doubt in that. And, you know, he's a left-arm spinner, as far as that goes. A lot of spinners don't get don't reach their peak until they're in their early 30s. Um, because, yeah, we, but, we all we all bow down to, uh, to Shakib al-Hassan. Uh, we'll uh, we'll move on uh, to a uh, moment of the week, and uh, I'll stick stick with me. Stick, we've been talking a little bit about it. We've been we talked a little bit obliquely uh, about it, but uh, uh, it is uh, the left arm wrist spinner of India to Pakistan's best batsman. Is the last ball of this called? Oh, 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 wow, what wow. a delivery! What a delivery that was! Barbarazan played all around it. He was not even looking to play offensively. He was playing a defensive shot. It got through the gate, came back into him. And uh, he's gone, bowled by Kuldeep. He's gone for 48. Wow. Wow, indeed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, actually, was, felt, was... I actually felt sorry for you Me? while you were commentating that. I, oh. I, and the reason <laughs> I felt sorry for you is because it becomes really difficult, even, even a week after the fact, to try and put that ball into words. <laughs> the, it had everything. I called it the apotheosis of Rispin earlier. You could not design a more perfect delivery. No. A really good player, Barbarazm, a very good player, as you say, not playing a ridiculous shot, trying to play what he thought was the original line, but Kuldeep, that ball kept, must have felt so good coming out of the hand. Uh, it, uh, yeah, I mean, the, it was, the, the degree of movement was well, huge. Well, the degree firstly in the air, the drift to get it outside of the island of Barbarazm, the dip to make sure that he couldn't get to the pitch of the ball, then the vicious spin in, the exact degree of bounce to take the start, to take the top of the bales. He looked like a gorilla in a Nottingham Batfast nest, <laughs> did Barbara's well, Completely flummoxed. Th there right. is no batsman in the world who should be ashamed to get out to that delivery. Can, and can it got Barber just as he was getting going. Can we call it for what it is? If Shane warned ball to Mike Gatting and the one to Daryl Cullinan were balls of the century, then that is, that is absolutely in the same category as those two balls. And, as I said, was said for, for uh, Rohit Sharma, factor in the occasion. Yeah. It was the biggest stage and the right moment in the game, in the big, on the biggest yeah. stage. Bow bowling to Pakistan. just makes best it a batsman. little bit extra special. And he's, he's had a tough year, Kuldeep Yadav. He did, very, he did very well in Australia, but he had a tough IPL. He ended up getting dropped by his, by his KKR team. He's been low on confidence. And uh, to come back the way he has, I mean, he's, he's had ups and downs throughout his career. Uh, Rispin is a tough tough gig you have to put up with so much you have to be put up with hit for six and it, it's you and I were talking about it on commentary Tony the way that uh, Cool Deep um, is able to meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same yeah. and, and he, just do what he does well he came out strongly at a disaster in the IPL didn't he and he came out stronger as a, as a somehow at the end of it um, the thing I like about him and Chahal in, 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 in tandem uh, and they've said it themselves and particularly Cool Deep has said it it's the it's the ability to give the ball more air for the, when there's the bigger boundaries. It's the variety that they can bring, but also the control. And I think their control in this World Cup as a, as a, as a, as a duo has been terrific, as yeah. well as yeah, their Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how, how India go if they do end up bringing in Jadeja to accommodate Mohammed Shami uh, at some point in the tournament. And this is what they've been doing. You know, they don't control through trying to bowl defensively or trying to restrict in the same way that Jadeja and Ashwin used to do. They control by getting wickets. Yeah, that's the biggest restriction that we've seen on run rates 
has been that natural. I said it in the preview, and a lot of people have said it. You're not going to be able to restrict good batting teams on good pitches. You've got to take wickets. Uh, we are getting the hurry-up signal uh, from uh, from uh, our producer, uh, who, as indeed we should, be. who uh, wants to go home. Uh, so, we, but we will uh, just give a little bit of uh, love to the other two. Uh, moments of uh, the week that were uh, picked out. Uh, Tony, uh, we'll go to you. We talked a little bit about uh, about not referring, and uh, yes, uh, this happened uh, between uh, between uh, India and Pakistan. As in comes Amir. Kohli oh, again. There's a big shout. Has he got his man? Mario Rasmus is shaking his head and saying, yes, he has. Well, Kohli is gone. Did he walk yeah. there? Yeah. Like, what he uh, yeah, it was slightly uh, short. Oh, sorry, I'm interrupting Amir myself. And Coley was through on the pull. And just, I assume, got a little bit. He was a well above his head. And just feathered what must have been a very faint top edge. Or not. Well, no, not. And the, and the extraordinary thing was he chose to walk. Now, admittedly, it was getting towards the end of the innings. And he, he had full confidence in the batting depth that, that was still to come. But um, he chose not to review. And the reason, I believe, was a clicky bat handle. He felt he touched something, and the, the subsequent reviews, even, I think, as he was walking off, showed him that he got nowhere near it. But the fact that he walked without reviewing uh, when they had the review available um, was, to me, extraordinary. One of the, you know, you say arguably the finest batsman in the world, um, but a batsman of that quality, he's just didn't think to review there was just I'm out. and there was a wonderful little bit of byplay between you know talk about a song of ice and fire ms Dhoni just chuckling away to himself uh, in the in the dressing room yeah, uh, it was, it was sort of waving his bat saying what what happened there and then Dhoni just gently leaning over taking the bat out of his hands and letting Coley go and uh, collect himself for the for the fielding <laughs> uh, for the fielding display it it was utterly hilarious to watch some of the tempers and egos inside that uh, Indian dressing room um, look at each other as if to go are you going to tell him he's had a good knock it, and it just because he, he was he kept on like demonstrating this clicky noise and, and you could see everyone go yeah um, what, what do you want us to do about it I just thought it, it, it was and like you said everyone turned around and just went oh get Give, give him five ten minutes in the back, hitting yeah. something hard with a hammer, and we'll be fine. But Boomer and Dhoni found the whole thing uh, hilarious. Um, I'm sure the fact that India were well ahead in the game uh, helped uh, with that. But uh, the final word in terms of performance of the weeks goes to Al Hotchkiss, and it goes in particular to this man, Archer. Though, oh, a big appeal, and no, he just uh, winces. Darmasena does not put the finger up. Lovely short ball, uh, just after the long meandering break for injury. Oh, Butler. His first duty as standing captain, now Morgan is off the field, is to make the T sign. The yep. bat was nowhere near it. We're just going to see ultra edge. And yep. there is a mark. Brilliant yep. review. That is an excellent bit of captaincy and an excellent bit of reviewing from Joss Butler. Brilliant, Joss. And Archer is in full, and that is going to be out as well, is it? Big appeal from everybody. Yes, Darmasena puts the finger up. Archer's going to be on a hat trick. Well, he didn't get that hat trick, but there's much, not much more we can say about Joffrey Archer. Um, all I will say is. I got to see him live for the first time at Old Trafford. He's even more beautiful in person than he is uh, on TV. You re- you see just how balanced and deadly that run-up and action is. He is Michael Holding 2.0. In terms of the just the run-up, you get the idea that he could he could he could run across a pond and not break progress than, than holding a little bit. But the, but it's it is it is truly beautiful to see the genesis of something. And this whole tournament has been nothing more than a huge coming out party for Jaffa Archer. 
Yeah, and it's not been that much of a surprise. If you, uh, I keep saying this, I've said it every week. If you follow the county championship on Twitter, you've been seeing Joffrey Archer a one-man highlights reel for uh, yeah. for three years, splattering stumps uh, all over the place. But what a talent he is! Yeah. Uh, what he, a joy it's going to be seeing him bowling for England, probably in all formats over the next several years. He redefines England's pace attack because there's been a a sense now that England can actually bowl 60% of their deliveries at 90 miles an hour in a one-day game. And now we've been scratching our heads about who's the natural replacement for Anderson and Broad as they wind down to the end of their test careers. And it turns out the answer has been in Sussex all this time. It's inconceivable that Joffrey Archer won't be first change uh, at, Mal- at Lords when England play Ireland. You actually can turn around and... Jimmy... Stuart, you can take an extra couple of weeks off and you can turn around even and go as far as to say that in the ashes you could turn around if needs be and rest one of them and nurse them through that five test match series. I think he's that good. He is all that and a box of chocolates. Yeah, maybe you're right. Um, if you ever get a chance to see him, watch him, watch his legs, you don't get the sense of how much he's put... Of It doesn't... You get the glide, but the glide is even somehow even more supreme when you are watching the whole thing yeah. uh, in, in one go. Um, I said it before, I'll say it again. Joffrey Archer, Mark Wood, other Rashid in the same attack. Woof. <laughs> uh, we'll uh, wrap up just by going through the fixtures uh, for the week ahead. Uh, tomorrow, England play Sri Lanka at Headingley. On Saturday, it's a doubleheader. Afghanistan play uh, India uh, at uh, Southampton. Uh, both of those games we'll be covering here on GC UK. GCSA will be covering New Zealand uh, versus the West Indies. The day nighter uh, uh, from Old Trafford on Saturday. Uh, we're back on the, uh, here on the mothership for actually no GCSA are on uh, for Pakistan South Africa on uh, on Sunday uh, from Lords. On Monday, Afghanistan play Bangladesh at Old Trafford. Uh, then uh, England play Australia at Lords on uh, Tuesday. A potentially mouthwatering clash. Uh, Sutusa and New Zealand versus Pakistan at Edgbaston on uh, Wednesday and uh, the last game of that week is India versus the West Indies at Old Trafford on Thursday and between ourselves and GCSA we'll have every single ball of it and we cannot uh, wait remember you can get this podcast before anyone else by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash gorilla cricket but if you uh, uh, if you want to wait if you uh, want to uh, trade uh, patience for money as, as it were then you can get us on iTunes you can get us on Acast you can get us on Spotify you can get us on Podbean please subscribe leave us a rating on iTunes and please tell your friends it just remains for me to say thank you very much to Alan Hotchkiss thank you very much thank you very much to Tony Bishop thank you indeed and thank you everybody for listening uh, goodbye goodbye all take care goodbye Podcast Network.